Good morning. Happy day after the election day. Yes, we've made it. Congratulations, America. You have survived the storm before the calm. You might be looking at the title of today's show going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you just try to reverse those words to make it clever? What's the bigger point here? And, you know, I, I think I had a, a pretty good time yesterday. Yesterday's show was titled Watching from a Distance. And I think that maintaining that appropriate emotional relationship to government towards the elections is, is absolutely critical at a time like this when, you know, we've covered these stories about all the increased stress and anxiety, 55% of Americans saying that the election day is going to be the most stressful ever for them, whatever qualifications they have. But obviously there is an unhealthy emotional attachment to government in the United States in what is historically the most disturbing perversion of what it's supposed to be, uh, mean to be American. So anyway, we got a lot of news to cover today. Obviously, if you haven't seen uh, the results of the election yet, uh, we have Biden in the lead, but yet to confirm victory with 238 electoral votes to Trump's 213 and, I, you know, I, I called it yesterday uh, because I was, I was actually invited as a guest on a live show. Uh, shout out to uh, Suzanne Etz for making that happen. Thank you very much. Or else, uh, Silence Maj is on screen already with a comment. Hey, Adam, thanks for streaming with us last night. Brad, yes, Brad was with us on that live stream. It was a lot of fun. And, 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 and what I was able to call by uh, 10 p.m. Arizona time, uh, was that you're not going to have a decisive victory. It's going to be close enough for Trump to fight it legally, and we're not going to know really for sure who our next president is for quite a while, uh, at least a few days. So if it's past your bedtime, as Samuel Jackson would say, would, would say, go the fuck to sleep, or what is it, go the, go the fuck to bed, yeah. Um, there were a lot of people, we, we've seen the typical, you know, political nerd sphere, uh, you know, really in, in, embroiled and, and, and engaged processing everything about the election, and I hate to say it, we are going to spend a decent chunk of today's show doing that as well, uh, and, and just a little personal note, background on, on myself. Uh, since uh, I think most people don't know this about me, that I have most of a master's degree in political management. And sort of before I uh, shied away from politics as an undergrad towards psychology, and there's a lot with my rock experience tied up in this, uh, I was going to be a political science major, excuse me, at one of the best political science uh, uh, undergrad programs in the country, at Claremont McKenna College. And if they offered a minor, I'd still qualify for the minor, but then went to grad school uh George Washington University when I got out of the Marine Corps and was, I, I mean, I, I, my mom still wants me to go and do my last 
trimester uh, at, at, at the uh, graduate program uh, at, at George Washington, so I can ha- I can have a master's degree. Uh, you know, check as if as if I care about you know having that credential. Uh, and if it wasn't for my experience with the Rock Veterans Against the War, I would have been uh, I would I would have gone and been a political hack. You know, I would have been an operative. You know, like to me that that would if I wasn't sort of pulled by that into being uh, a, a public figure. I, I, like I am real. My point is, I am really tempted. Like this is my language, you know, or was for a significant part of my life of of this kind of uh, meaningless minutia of politics, and it's it's really tempting to get sucked in. And and I I want to remind you of the point of my opening monologue yesterday, which was that uh, this is an incredibly inefficient, ineffective way to make decisions, and the cost to humanity is ridiculous. Uh, If you just think about the, even just the money that was spent on negative attack ads, if we use that to to solve real problems facing humanity, how how much better off would we be? It was just the time, the mental energy, the emotional engagement on who should our next dear leader be. If we spent that instead on on answering serious questions, well, eventually we'd all be libertarian, right? You know, because that's how we get to be libertarian by by stepping away from that. But today we're going to get into it. We have a contest today. I want before I ramble any further, because I got I've got a big pile of it. We might get to some real news, but we are we're going to get all of the election stuff out of the way so that hopefully in the next however long it takes for this thing to be settled, be it a day, I, I, it could be by, we could know by the end of today, uh, there could be enough states that are called decisively to clinch it for Biden essentially at this point. And then we get to uh, see if, if Trump uh, stands a chance of, of, of some kind of legal challenge. But yeah, we'll get into all of that. Uh, and, and, and hopefully from now on, uh, Adam of the Man will be uh, back to being mostly focused on on real news uh, and, and things that matter. And I am I am really I'm already I don't know if you can tell, uh, but I, I I'm already in a better mood. You know, I, I've described coronaphobia as this dark cloud. All right. I, similarly, the election is a dark cloud. The contest. The contest today, because we, we do have, uh, despite the uh, general uh, absence in the conversation of Dr. Joe Jorgensen, our libertarian nominee, and we're definitely going to get to the, all, all the good news in her race, uh, the, the biggest good news even if there's a backslide from from Gary's numbers in 2016, and, and it, it, it does look disappointing. I mean, that is the big bad news for the day as a libertarian. Uh, her vote per dollar ratio was actually a lot higher than hers, and this was pointed out to me by uh, my former campaign manager, Elijah Gitzarelli. Big shout out to him. It's been a, hopefully now that now again now that campaign season is over, he uh, hopefully he can be a little more engaged with Adam versus the man. Um, but uh, 
the contest today, either by calling in or by commenting wherever you be, may be watching this live. And here's your reminder. We are fighting censorship. We have to be active and engaged to overcome the hurdles that are placed in front of us by the mainstream media, by social media, by uh, everybody who wants to suppress uh, any message that legitimately challenges the current power structure. And this is why CJ, our, our producer from South Dakota, we, we're going to get on, on, on stage here in, in just a bit for producer's notes and news from South Dakota. Uh, but, you know, he, this is why he likes to call me the, uh, the most censored man on the Internet because uh, he's a good hype man like that. Uh, but uh, Elijah Gitzarelli pointed out that uh, we got 50% better value in terms of votes per dollar with Joe Jorgensen and Gary Johnson. That's kind of a, a, an interesting, really cool analysis. So there's, there's, there, we've got good news on the drug war front. Very excited to be sharing with you that today. Uh, recreational passing in Arizona, a few other states with uh, Oregon decriminalizing all, all uh, hard drugs. Uh, but I, I, I want uh, today's, today's contest, to win membership in the Anniversary of the Man Producers Club is to answer the question, what is the best good news to come out of this election so far and why? And, you know, I, I mean, I could say, hey, we had a candidate who was principled with Joe Jorgensen, and every dollar that we invested resulted in, 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 a, in a good outcome, was a positive you know, use of libertarian resources to reach people with a principled message. You could say that, uh, we had a number of candidates uh, for the Libertarian Party, like our very own debate manager, Mercedes Damrotowski, with her race in uh, Nebraska. Almost at 25%, but yeah, clearing 20%, that's, that's a big checkbox, a big box checked. That, that's a major accomplishment, even when you are running in a, in a two-way race, a Libertarian versus an old party incumbent. To clear 20% is, is, is a, it's just, it's beautiful to see. It really is a significant accomplishment. So congratulations to Mercedes Damrotowski. Uh, also to Toya Johnson, who I, I believe got about 23% in her race. Uh, if, if there were any others, please put them in the comments. Let me know. Let's, let's, let's share all of these, uh, positive libertarian benchmarks that we achieved this election cycle. Uh, but you can win membership in the Producers Club by answering that question either by calling in uh, or by commenting. And I don't know, a lot of you are shy or don't want to engage like that. Uh, but you can call in with the link. It's in the comments. Wherever you're watching this, comment Jim and CJ are getting that out right now as I speak because I just said that. They're getting it out. So if you want to get in the queue to call in today and, and, and uh, try to win membership in the Producers Club, or just let me know what you think. Uh, and, and there are a few things that I, I get to say I told you so about, uh, as usual. <laughs> uh, I feel yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting a little older and wiser, and I'm, I'm, but I'm not wise enough to not gloat about it every now and then. And, and CJ gloats about it 
he's a good hype man, even more. Of, and, and he points out things I was right about that I don't even remember that I was right about sometimes. So maybe he'll have some of those about the election today. Um, but with that being said, uh, quick promos to get out of the way. What is the producer's club that you would be winning membership in? Well, you can also buy your way in and find out more about it by going to AdamVersusTheMan.com, finding the Patreon link to Patreon.com slash AdamVersusTheMan. And you can give us money any way you want. Uh, you can email me if you want to figure it out. But the best way, go to that link and uh, give us $10 a month because you get to be in on this uh, amazing behind-the-scenes conversation. And, uh, I mean, you get the, the whole core team, uh, Marcus, our, our guest booker, uh, co-host, comment Jim Freedom, and CJ, uh, our producer, executive producer, are in that conversation 24-7. I treat it like any other text message conversation I'm involved in. And uh, it, it really is a, a great way that we have uh, a volunteer editorial team as well functioning, helping develop content that you see every day on the show. A lot of the links, uh, we're at about half, I think, you know, about half the links that we use for the show come out of the Producers Club. Uh, the other half are from, you know, my random social media connections and uh, Drudge Report. I check that still. By the way, we got to... Tomorrow we might come back to a story about the rising irrelevance uh, of the Drudge Report, but it still functions as a, a big uh, window into the mainstream media. Oh, so in the Producers Club right now, um, Myra hit 25% in her uh, Iowa race. So to Myra Mateka, congratulations. There you go. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, we also had someone in our producers club uh, sharing a sunrise. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Matt. <laughs> As he said yesterday, this is what he's going to be posting today. Yes, the sun has, has risen again, uh, regardless of what is, go is going on with, uh, with government. So uh, without further ado, let's get comment Jim. Freedom on stage here and check in with Jim and, uh, and and the audience here. Jim, how you doing this morning, brother? Good morning. How's it going? It's going great. It's going, can't you tell? Like I'm, I'm the the conversation. It's like ah ah finally fresh air. One and, and you know what? I to finish my point a little bit from earlier. You know, describing Corona. Phobia is this dark cloud over humanity. Similarly, the election is like that, at least a dark cloud over the human conversation or the American conversation. Uh, and I, I feel a, a major chunk of that cloud has lifted. It, 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 and it can be measured with it, it, at least the reminders to vote not being there anymore. You don't have to hear, vote, don't forget to vote, don't forget to, you don't have to hear this is the most important election of our lifetimes anymore this year. Uh, so I'm, 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 I feel better. For, for a couple more years <laughs> until it happens again. I think I just want to go on record as saying my official opinion. The numbers that you're seeing, like you were, you were saying you're disappointed for uh, Joe Jorgensen's low numbers at this time, even though everything's not counted yet officially. Right. 
want my official opinion about those is that those numbers are literally made up. Yeah, no, I you know literally I literally put on the screen to show night. you this is what we want you to think. Yeah. It. I was as I was watching it last night, it's impossible the way they run it all night long in every single state. They show a few counties where they have a few big swings. Oh, this is a Trump county or this is a Biden county, but the official count is always. Fifty-one percent to forty-nine percent. Kiss my ass. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's fake. Thank you for that. And they're going to keep the libertarian where they're at. In reality, libertarians are pushing like eight to ten percent, in my opinion. There's been too many people, and there's too many swells online of people declaring, "Yes, I voted Joe Jorgensen." (laughs) I mean, it's more than they want people to realize. I think that's my opinion. Now, I'm I'm with you a hundred percent. And I got, I got, but I have to question one thing there, and I, I don't, I, I mean, I, obviously, well, last night I, I said a few things about that specifically. One, don't stay up tonight waiting to get a good number on the Jorgensen results. Uh, it's not going to happen. They're not, and, and and even if they did get that, too. It wouldn't be a true number. Whatever number they finally give us, we know is going to be a deliberate undercount. Whatever number ever comes out officially about Joe Jorgensen, and, and, and the same as has generally been true uh, about libertarian candidates, and, 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 and especially in any, in any uh, you know, democracy, modern bureaucratic government with a, any kind of voting system, anything like this one, uh, the uh, any insurgent party is, is going to be undercounted, you know, by the people who count the votes, just by not having the resources even to advocate for, for you know, the legal wrangling to make sure all the votes are counted uh, properly. So uh, that being said, the, the question is how much. And uh, I, I think we, you know, you said eight to ten percent, and I'm even more optimistic than that when it comes to who is truly libertarian. But in terms of the actual vote count, I'm I'm not that optimistic. Um, and and I think we do have to recognize that in the conversation, you know, we did not have a, a breakthrough year for libertarians that was being suppressed. The question is not. You know, did Joe Jorgensen really win the election and it all got stolen from us? No, it's, you know, how much progress did we make, right? That's the question we're asking for the Libertarian Party. And I still think we made incredible progress. I, I, you know, I, I think the, the movement has, uh, I, I'm not shaken in my faith in the fundamental positive, unstoppable momentum of the Libertarian movement. Then looking at this, question of, of how much ground did we actually gain with Jorgensen this year. Um, I, I do think we missed uh, a, a bit of an opportunity. I don't think she got the traction that, that we would have hoped. In, in the conversation, we did not have a breakthrough year. We had a, we had a year of incremental progress. And I would congratulate Joe for that and thank her for her service to the movement and for staying on a principled message the entire time. And, and, and those are things that I would want to celebrate. But uh, I, I don't even know. What are, what are they telling us? Let's, let's, let, can we, what are you seeing, Jim, 
um, for the uh, total number for percentage estimate for Jorgensen right now? Uh, Being reported well, anywhere. I haven't even looked because, as I said, I, it's fake to me anyways. Every time you see it on the news when I walk by the TV, they're not even showing the Libertarian, so I would have to Google it, and I don't want to Google it and be lied to and feel like, oh, that's lying. No, 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 so. you, you are going to be lied to, Jim. Right, you so know I don't that. even Google feeling. it. I don't listen to them. I just go but, with my feeling about it, and I talk to they, people. There are there, – there is legitimate polling that happens. There are legitimately independent exit polls. Excuse me, and and I, I just want to point this out. This is this is it, it's tempting as a libertarian to say what you just said, but I would remind you that there's a reason they don't let people think whatever they want and then just steal the election. They they do genuinely get a critical mass of the population to go along, and because of the accountability measure that exit polls and, and, and polling in general represents, as, as flawed as it is, they can only cheat so much, right? You know, in, in this election, if, if they came out and said, oh, Trump won in a landslide with 90% of the popular vote, we'd all be like, no, nah, fuck that, right? So uh, it, your your estimate of, of a true turnout of, of eight to ten percent uh, and and significant progress for, for Joe Jorgensen at this point is not uh, unrealistic. Uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say you're being uh, if you said more, if you said that Joe really got more than ten percent I'd say that's a fantasy, right? But uh, could she could she have genuinely done as well as, as eight to ten percent? Yeah, possibly. Uh, I think it's going to be significantly lower than that, um, but uh, yeah, let's. I mean, let's take stock of the positive progress that we made this year. So, uh, did anybody have any numbers, Jim? Are you seeing anything in the comments? Well, like I said, I mean, I just did a quick Google search, and the top numbers that are showing us is saying 1.1 percent, 1.5 million votes for Jorgensen. Yeah, that's, that's hard to believe that the duopoly successfully sucked away 2% from Gary's vote total in 16 because the Trump the By the time they announce important. everything and all the, all the votes are counted, they'll say, oh, she did about the same as libertarians always do. They might give her 3% or maybe they're trying to insult us and they'll tell us 2%. You know, who knows what they'll tell us, but we know in reality there's more of us than they're telling us, and hopefully the outcome of this election causes more people on whatever side they're on currently to say, holy crap, let's, you know, try try the the only option that's not ridiculous anymore. <sighs> CJ really wants his comment to be put up. So right, <laughs> if, if voting mattered, it would be illegal. Every race and every state is rigged to believe otherwise. It is a form of Stockholm Syndrome, government being your abuser. Wake up. No election is legitimate. All right. Well, we're definitely going to let CJ get on, and we're, we're going we're gonna to go to producer's notes and let CJ get into all of that on the air here in his own voice. Uh, but I, I do want to, you know, I want to make sure that we cover, uh, you know, 
the situation with Jorgensen and, and, and the vote count right now. And, you know, that's honestly one thing I, I really just I, – I did see that 1.1 and was like, wait a second. So, you know, I've, I've got um, New York Times uh, pulled up here, nytimes.com, and, and, you know, one of the reasons uh, – you know, someone asked me, like, how are you following the election? And when I did the uh, appearance on, on the, the broadcast uh, – for for Suzanne last night, I had five different websites pulled up, and I was refreshing all of them, and was watching. Uh, well, we'll get to, we'll get to zero touch and New York Times. Someone asked me like, and this is how I watched the, the 2016 election was uh, sitting around the campfire here in Gardenia, just refreshing the New York Times every 30 minutes or so, and uh, getting to watch their infamous needle you know, with the odds swing from radically Clinton to solidly Trump. And, you know, with uh, right now the New York Times says presidential race on razor's edge with key states still counting. And it was interesting to watch live uh, the media bias last night in terms of who was calling states when. And, and I don't want to read too much into any specifics because I think there are different motivations to manipulate votes based on timing and swing states and when polls close uh, by, by the uh, major players in the mainstream media who I, who I do think uh, generally were uh, either, you know, more, certainly there, were, there, were, there, was a, there was a significant covert push to support Biden by, you know, the liberal mainstream media. I know that's a very imprecise analysis, but I, I did see – some of that happening live last night uh, by watching. I was watching 538.com and uh, Drudge Report, New York Times, and Zero Hedge, and then some of the mainstream media networks that were linked from uh, from DrudgeReport.com. And it was uh, yeah, some of them had already called it for Biden. It was it was really interesting and. You know, so it, it, Trump tried to call it for himself and said, we're going to win and we're going to tell the Supreme Court to order them to stop counting votes where we're ahead. And it's like, well, uh, I think, you know, it, and, and you know, I will, we'll get into all this. There's one thing I want to point out about Trump when he said Democrats are trying to steal the election. I think. That was one of the examples of Trump's messaging genius because it's something that if you take it as an excuse to say that Trump's a liar, you say there's no evidence that anybody's stealing the election or trying to steal the election. And therefore, Twitter labeled it, you know, as, as like warning false. And, and you know, all the major networks tried to call, you know, call Trump uh, wrong for that. Like when Trump said, I won. Well, you could say he thinks he won. Is it a lie? Uh, it's close enough still that, that he can say that. And, and this, I, I hate to even, you know, feel like I'm getting sucked into this conversation because I'm, I'm, I'm too deep in it. So, Jim, give me some more uh, comments with, with good news here. Uh, okay. Well, oh, sorry. Just to finish the thought about the, the, when Trump says steal, Democrats are trying to steal the election. Well, if you want to interpret that as true, 
It's totally true. If you, if, you, if you say, yes, steel can mean lots of different things, both parties are, are uh, both old parties are, are, are constantly trying to steal elections. It's nothing new. But Trump knows that that's going to trigger leftists and saying he's a liar. And then, you know, it, it, it plays in his favor. But uh, it wasn't enough for him to get a decisive victory last night, certainly. So how much genius knows? Well, Silence Maj agrees with me, says, yeah, there's no way the numbers are that low, referring to the Jorgensen numbers. He says we have ten times as many volunteers as the Johnson's campaign. Really? Well, well, I see. I I haven't I, I haven't been following it close enough to do uh, to to because there again there are polls out there that have had Jorgensen in that range, uh, but I, I haven't done a, a review of all the polls. So if, again, the contest today: what is the best good news to come out of the election so far? And why you could you could do that in in one sentence in a comment and win membership in the producers club. So, what what else do we have for comments, Jim? Ten fifty four chimes in. Libertarians have have to be shown as a minor group. They can't have us looking as any kind of growing trend. Yep. And low key low key two oh nine says if libertarians didn't win, them lost. Another true statement. Yep. Yeah. Jordan Lott asks a general question uh, from Facebook. What did you think of Jorgensen and her performance? I think we kind of just covered that. Yeah. I mean, I, I I would say that I mean I'm I was uh, very very grateful and it was it was great to see that we had a candidate who was consistently principled. Who, anytime you supported her, you knew that you were, you know, helping get the actual message out, not a a watered down or, or you know, whitewashed, politicized, socially liberal, fiscally conservative nonsense version of it. Um, but I, I was general. I, I was generally disappointed that there wasn't more uh, more traction or or more breakthrough or creativity. But uh, overall, I was very happy. You know, and as, you know, with, uh, I'm not going to get too inside baseball. You know, picking apart the organization because you know they're going to be infiltrators. You know, and I seeing what Joe did, I was I was very happy with that. And I think the the progress that we made this year. Um, you know, again, we I don't think the popular vote. We're going to have a good analysis on it uh, for, for quite a while. Um, and it's it's not what matters, but uh, I, I do think we made major progress as a movement and as a party this year. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, you got some news to cover? Uh, well, let's get CJ on next. CJ. What up, sir? Good morning you to you, CJ. Good afternoon where you're from, I think, right? Oh, no, it's only 1130 there. Yeah, the government-mandated time travel puts you guys uh, where we still have mornings together. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, uh, Adam, it's really hard as the producer, executive producer of this show, that uh, to be enthusiastic about even the day after the most rigged election in our lifetime. <laughs> uh, <yes. laughs> so, you know, at the end of the day, 
Uh, we'll go through all the, the status propaganda, and you can digest it and spit it out to the little birds in their little nests and allow them to, uh, you know, figure this out for themselves. But I meant it when I said it. There's no legitimate elections in the United States of America. It's all yeah. rigged for show, for ratings. Uh, there's many uh, evidence. There's, there's evidence for days of this. If you're a common sense, out-of-the-box thinker, we are never going to get the – mentally handicapped duopoly voters uh, to acknowledge that they are in a Stockholm Syndrome-like trance when it comes to statism and and how our government actually operates. Uh, you know, I, I will say I'm, I'm proud of all the libertarians that I met along the way. Uh, I did get 10% in my own race. Uh, it seems kind of weird. My opponent never debated me. Uh, had little to no name recognition, 100 likes on Facebook, and somehow pulls out 9,000 votes out of 10,000. Uh, you know, I, I get I get, I get, get 1,000 votes out of 10,000. And if I would have even if, had a conversation with my opponent, I could use that for uh, political uh, ads to show the difference between me and him politically and philosophically, ideologically, and where we would – differ on creating laws and and you know at the end of the day or in my case wanting to abolish government through my position uh but anyways you know the the thing is is that to me regardless of of what the outcome is it's been predetermined by people that have the financial interest in this and so to 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 always to lose sight of that at any point in in either this show or any for anybody else for that matter, uh, we want to make sure that we don't get caught up in promoting statism accidentally by giving credibility to what we know to be false, fake, and a basically what I said the most rigged election of our lifetime. Uh, whether or not we know the result in the next two weeks, you're right. We it might they might come down to a week or two and uh but ultimately one side will concede and uh or not and we'll go to civil war and we could and we can always remember ladies and gentlemen my final producer note you had the opportunity to support and vote for adam kokesh for your candidate in 2020 who wanted to abolish all of this shit show and, and give us all our our freedom and independence and and so again uh, the choice is always yours, but in this case, the status mental health disorder was just too strong for, for America, and I don't know. But I would like to switch, segue that into, if you're feeling stressed out about this election, just grab yourself a cigar from Cigar Federation. Oh, thank you for my and, and And use the promo code ADAM10 to get 10% off your order. Uh, they do have the JSK Nugs. You just type in Nugs. Don't misspell it like I did. And uh, you can get yourself some CBD-infused cigars that you can enjoy during Cigars and Sunsets. So also, while while you're picking up a cigar, don't forget to go over to adamversustheman.com and check out our shop. There is a uh, Producers Club promo code you can use to get free shipping and 15% off for joining the Producers Club at Patreon. And so uh, just we would appreciate your support by going to there. And other than that, Adam, I'm glad I'm no longer a political candidate. Uh, uh, I, 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 uh, I'm glad that sure I... You about that? Hold on. Don't, 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 go off, don't go off screen yet. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> CJ, I want to I I 
keep you on for at least three things that you brought up there. Um, first of all, to get my, my personal stuff out of the way, thank you for, for blowing smoke up my butt about the Kokesh for President campaign. And I, I you know, I, I am still, uh, you know, I, I, I'm feeling a lot of love uh, from people behind the scenes right now going, man, 2020 was the year we, we should have nominated someone who would really get people's attention with a serious alternative like we were proposing with localization. And uh, I, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to gloat about that anymore, but I, I just will remind everyone that I am and I am still on track and planning to run again for the Libertarian Party nomination for president in, in 2024. Um, I'm uh, exploring a congressional race here in Arizona for U.S. Congress uh, in 2022. And uh, on, on that note, I want to say for CJ, I, I hope you keep running. Are, are, are you, where are you taking your momentum as a candidate? So I ran for governor in 2018. And I had uh, a hell of an experience then. I ran for state senate uh, this time. I would probably see myself more in the next two years focusing on the state party, uh, on my ex-com position as I'm the uh, East River Regional Coordinator for my executive committee for the Libertarian Party of South Dakota. So I'll probably take the next two years to focus on that. And then uh, when 2024 rolls around um, – uh, I, I guess 2022 would be uh, – I'm hoping that we can recruit somebody to run for governor, maybe be a campaign manager for, for that person and, and help in that capacity. Uh, I know what it's like to be a candidate, and so, therefore, I think I could help somebody that would uh, you know, want to use the Libertarian platform to speak out against the monopoly state here in, in Meth, Dakota. And, uh, you know, uh, 2024, though uh, – I don't know. I'm I'm too far burnt out for that. So, uh, but yeah, thinking ahead. Uh, Jorgensen got three percent of the vote here in South Dakota. Um, really disappointed that uh, that you know she showed up here. Biden didn't even make an appearance here and pulled out. You know, it just it goes to show, man. People are. It's it's disappointing because, like I said, before the election, I was calling everybody retarded because I couldn't find a good word that was less offensive to, to people's, you know, eardrums. Uh, and then, and then it finally dawned on me, they're mentally handicapped. They are, they are in a form of Stockholm syndrome. And instead of treating them like a retard that you hate and loathe, no, they're mentally handicapped. And now you can love them appropriately and, and meet them where they're at. So uh, I've learned a lot, especially from this show, from you, Adam, from Jim, and uh, a lot of our producers club members, Mercedes, Matt, I mean, even Craig is, is throwing me some some comments sometimes. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a learning experience, and and I know you know what it's like having ran for president and lost. It's not easy to wake up the next day and go, well, I'm a loser. Uh, now what? Uh, but uh, you know, I, I really honestly do believe Adam, and will take it to my grave that it's all rigged. So I, I, nobody's going to convince me otherwise. We can pretend it's not, but well, like. I, yeah, I got, well, I got a couple of things. Before you go, move on to any other points here, 
Um, first of all, with, uh, with, with this being the most rigged election of our lifetimes, one of the things that, that really surprised me in the coverage yesterday and, and even looking at it today is how underreported uh, anything about Joe Jorgensen is whatsoever. Uh, that that uh, I, I just I remember watching in 2012 and 16 and and even 08 as you know as, as a political enthusiast seeing that the, and in some of those elections like I think even in in 16 you would see most of the coverage as Trump Clinton Johnson Stein they included the Libertarian and the Green and and, and they mentioned them uh, like that. But uh, I, I, I really am seeing her distinctly written out of the results uh, right. in a way where you go, this is well, we're gonna stick a Jorgensen. Push. Well, we're gonna stick Jorgensen on the C-rated. Your mic's muted, Jim. We're gonna stick Jorgensen on the C-rated. Uh, you know, Fox News Business Channel. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna stick them at the like lowest rated shows on Fox News with the, some of the lowest rated hosts, and then say that hey, at least we're fair and balanced, giving the libertarians some time. Uh, no mention. Let's put it to you this way: 2020 is the year that fake news on both sides was exposed, and there is no real mainstream journalism anymore. It is bought and paid for corporate media designed to keep you voting for the same people that make them money on ratings. So, I mean, imagine like this. If I was your, if I was instead of being producer, CJ, I was Adam Kokesh's and, and Jim Freedom's, uh, you know, fight promoter. It, I have a vested interest in you two beating the shit out of each other and nobody else coming in and taking away my racket. So, right. uh, you know, that's kind of the way it is. The media protects the unconstitutional form of government and uh, the people eat it up and they think their vote matters. They think, I mean, again, I vote on principle. I voted for Jorgensen and Cohen. Uh, they did a great job. I'm proud of my vote. I will be until the day I die, but... Uh, the, the, there's a lot of learning to be done here, a reevaluation for 2024. And, uh, you know, there's a few things that fell through, I think mostly due to the pandemic that, uh, the, the pandemic, uh, thanks YouTube. Well, yeah. but, uh, you know, the, the thing is, is that, you know, we, 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 there was nothing for veterans for Jorgensen. You know, there was no meeting them at the debate stage. I mean, we should have. In all honesty, Adam, we should have stormed the debate stage as a party. It shouldn't have been, well, this is where the debate's at, just Joe shows up with, you know, ten people. It should have been a storming event. It should have been, like you said, around the Unless building, was, people willing to get arrested. Yeah, there, well, I, I'm, I'm going to wait until I see a more comprehensive analysis of Jorgensen's campaign organization and strategy before I make any comments on that, or and, and I think we all need to. I think any such judgment before we we see the full story of her campaign itself, uh, you know, before we can you know say what worked and what didn't uh, in, in their well, how strategic. How many corporations on the media? How many is it? Seven. Right. Yeah, Seven. something like that. So on, on, CJ, CJ to, to, I got to go back before I forget again. Uh, I, I really want to change your perspective on what you said about the average status voter being 
uh, I think you, you said mentally handicapped as if it's a deficiency. No, and, it's not. Well, hold on. So it's it, it's. I think you can you can frame this still in in a much more accurate and positive way uh, by saying that what what we have what we have embraced in contrast as libertarians is an empowerment. And they they have they have yet to claim that particular empowerment, and it's it's re- more realistic because it's showing the and, and and recognizing the reality of human progress. You know, you, you, do you say that someone who doesn't have access to modern dentistry is you know health deficient when when they they would would get a cavity you know a thousand years ago? No, but we have. We have come to this level of, of, of leveling up, and you can look at the general mental health empowerment and improvement and intelligence and, and awareness as achieving a perfect standard or as just progress over time. And, and this is why I would say, you know, libertarians in that sense, we are the only progressives today by the definition of that word. And the other thing is about, you know, running as a libertarian, there's a lot of really great positive news that I think should be great encouragement for libertarians right now to get ready to run for office for the first time in 2022 and to, to be thinking ahead right now. I want You're going to see in, in a bunch of the stories that we're going to get to today a, a lot of just things where the conclusion is, and that's why you should run and have fun knowing that you're running in a rigged election and you're going to play the role of someone standing up and, and, and pointing out an injustice that needs to be called out. And it, it's not about win or lose. It's about how effectively can you do that. And, and there's some great positive things to take out of this for this year, from this year's results already. Right. So before I hop off the screen here, I'll just finish with this, Adam. Uh, I probably lost a few voters calling people retarded. But what I gained out of it is peace within my own self and understanding for my own, uh, uh, you know, at least where I stand politically. And, you know, hey, 10 percent is, is not easy to get uh, in, a, in a Republican district like mine. It is as red as it gets. Uh, I ran only on the premise of, well, there's no choice here. There's no libertarian choice. So I at least want to give that option. And it turns out 1,100 people, one on every 10 person that I meet, is is most likely libertarian-minded, wants freedom. The other scary part is is 9 out of 10 uh, have a mental deficiency uh, called statism that they they have not gotten over yet. So moving forward, like I said, I think I can adopt a a message of understanding and meet them where they're at by – like I said, knowing that I am unplugged from the matrix and they are plugged in, it's 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 really sad. It really is. I mean, I can't just talk to somebody and go, you know, I, I think we should be able to legalize cannabis, and they go, oh no, that's the devil's lettuce. And and there's no there's no understanding. They say I should be thrown in a cage. I, I say I should be free to put in my body what I want, but their vote represents violence against me, and that's where I have a problem. I mean, it's. There's a lot to it, and I'm sure we'll have many more days to talk about it, but where I stand for 2020 is is 
I want to congratulate every libertarian for doing it. I know it was hard. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll see you all in Reno where we can figure out uh, the best strategy moving forward and, and really dive deep into this analysis that Adam wants to, to go through between now and then. So I just hope you'll hear him out. Other than that, uh, let's uh, produce a good show today. All right. Thank you, CJ. I'll say uh, this. Yeah. If I may, uh, before you were talking about how uh, Gary Johnson and previous to that was included in like the mainstream coverage, you know, yeah. and, and they're not this. Uh, I'd like to point out, I think it was almost like then they wanted to remind us that we were only getting two or three percent. But now. They're lying and saying, don't cover them at all because yeah. they're growing so fast. Yeah. They're actually yeah. at 10%, maybe 15 Who knows? We could be at 20% of the country could be throwing their hat in the libertarian ring yeah. right now, and they don't want us to know it. You know there, what I mean? There's a, to, to prove your point, there's an even mo more undeniable observation I want to point out, which is that when the mainstream media looked at Gary Johnson and Bill Weld, two former Republican two-term governors, they were not fundamentally threatened by that message. Because that message is we're socially liberal, fiscally conservative. We're the best of both worlds. And the, the average American voter goes, you mean both shit worlds that I don't want anything to do with? Screw that. I'll go with the lesser evil argument, right? And they don't really challenge liberalism or conservatism fundamentally. And to people who haven't heard me say this, this is a talking point worth repeating. Libertarians are not socially liberal and fiscally conservative. We are socially libertarian and we are fiscally libertarian because we come at both of those policy areas from a perspective of libertarian ethical principles. We don't believe, in, we, we don't occasionally line up with liberals on social issues because we got ideas from them. It's because we don't want to use force to force social policies on anybody else. They just happen to make the exception of where they want to apply force in some ways that agrees with us. Similarly, fiscally conservative the reason it looks like we line up with that sometimes is because our principles sometimes line up with where conservatives don't want to apply force of government directly to control economics. We don't want to do it across the board because libertarian principle says we have to respect the non-aggression principle. We have to respect property rights. And Joe Jorgensen, unlike Gary John, Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen, unlike Gary Johnson and Bill Weld, represented that message. And that was a threat that had to be suppressed because that is what wakes people up, is, is understanding those principles behind libertarianism, where we say you can be as liberal or as conservative as you want as long as you don't force it on anybody else. And I, I, I think there's a natural bias it, Jim, again, to underscore your point in the media to say, you know what? Um, yeah, we just, we're not comfortable with this. Yeah, definitely worth taking note of. Perfectly said, by the way. 
So let's uh, let's cover some news. How about that? No other comments. Nobody trying to point out good news to us today. Come on. There was one guess on that. There was one guess. The best thing to come out of this election is that we didn't have Gary Johnson on the ticket. <laughs> All right, that's a start. If, if if that's the winner of our contest today, I'm going to be very disappointed. Again, you can put it in a comment or call in. I'll be watching. If anybody wants to call in, uh, just I've got it in the I've got the producers club Telegram chat pulled up here. If anybody backstage wants to uh, wants to step up and join me on screen or just. Uh, have their voice in the production. We'll be taking entries like that as well. But what is the best positive news coming out of this election and why? All right, let's get to some headlines and uh, we'll cover. Some, we're going to start with some of the good news. Like here in Arizona, Jim, recreational cannabis passed. Woo! I'm so glad I did not renew my medical card. Yes. In that regard, for anybody that lives in Arizona, from what I hear, that means it'll be. Uh, technically legal in about a month when everything's all official and the counts are all in officially. And, yes. And then it'll be available in stores around May. Yes, we'll do. Oh, and CJ wants to jump on to celebrate South Dakota's landmark vote on the drug war front as well. Yes, is that why you're here, CJ? Yeah, no, Adam, uh, again, pleasure to be back on uh, when talking about one of my favorite subjects. But, again, going back to the whole thing is rigged, uh, in South Dakota, now the government gets to tax, regulate, license, and and now become the racketeering uh, crime head boss of the cannabis industry and hemp industry in South Dakota. And the voters just willingly gave it to the government and said, here, you fuck this up. So... Yeah, yeah, no, going back to it's all rigged, of course they're going to legalize this stuff because at some point they're going to have no other choice to, so they figure, well, might as well let these guys have it. We'll make it squeak by at 53 47% and keep everybody clicking the refresh rate so we can get that ad revenue. and ah. channels. Will, yeah. So when you really think about it from the not-status perspective and you see it for what it really is, it's easy to celebrate but then you go, oh, fuck, they're just going to put a 20% tax on my medicine. And what they're going to end up doing is is make it so I still got to go to my dealer who's selling it to me from some other place cheaper. So, yes, no, CJ. And I guess, I don't know. CJ, you, you know, I, I love hearing libertarians say, I want cannabis to be as legal as tomatoes. And I go, are you crazy? Do you know how illegal tomatoes are? You can't grown without a government license, you can't sell them without a government license, you can't move them without paying a dozen taxes. I know, like, I want cannabis to be actually lawfully legal, right? And, I, I, again, I disagree wholeheartedly with your negative framing. I don't dispute your facts, but uh, I, I come to you. You want to be more positive about that this, 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 change is incremental, and historically speaking, we are we are still at the end of the beginning of the end of the war on drugs. It's and almost like it's the storm before the calm. Yes. How about that? Thank you for tying it back to our theme today. <laughs> All right. So, uh, okay, one more overview thing. I want just to go back to Zero Hedge because I think they had the best live analysis and coverage. And uh, I, I deferred to them in terms of calling it state by state as things were unfolding yesterday. And I was watching different mainstream media outlets trying to call 
different states and disagreeing with each other in some very interesting ways that uh, I, I'm sure political historians will have fun dissecting this one for quite some time. But here from Tyler Durden, and this is updated as of uh, 8.24 a.m. this morning uh, Pacific time, Chaos, that's the best way to describe what has happened in the past 12 hours. Initially, Trump shocked pollsters again after winning Florida by a whopping 370,000 votes, where a surge in Hispanic support crippled hopes for a Biden landslide, followed by wins in Ohio and Texas. The early momentum saw Trump's winning odds at online bookie Betfair surge as high as 80%. However, the momentum reversed after Biden managed to Flip Arizona back to blue while the outcome remained unclear in six swing states, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, all of which are still counting votes. And while we may get some final vote counts today, others could take a few days. So, again, how they've got us, like, so, you know, uh, plugged in to the matrix on this one is, is that we don't, like, we don't know the, the, the uncertainty here. Uh, and and I, I think they have an interest in drawing this out. Obviously, Trump is the underdog in, in, in fighting this right now, has an interest in drawing this out. And the graph you see on screen there, if you're watching uh, the, the full video production or watching us live right now, thank you to everybody tuning in live again and for your engagement and your comments. Uh, ZeroHedge.com has it called for... Uh, Biden ahead with only 238, again needing 270, and Trump at 213. And uh, it, it was really interesting to see how, you know, some uh, – the main thing I saw was that a lot of mainstream media outlets were resisting calling Florida uh, until it was undeniable or Arizona. Um, but anyway, the, the other big part of this narrative right now is that it, it, Trump really does have to sweep things, you know, to, uh, to, to win at this point. And it looks still highly unlikely because the majority of mail-in ballots that have yet to be counted are well predicted. But again, you know, who do you believe? Who do you trust as a source on this? But it, it seems to make sense that uh, it, it, the remaining votes to be counted are, are going to be uh, dominant, are, are going to be more male, at least the, the relevant votes that are uh, going to be relevant, you know, relevant to the outcome here could, could push it one way or another. They're going to be mail-in ballots, and, and uh, mainly because of COVID, Democrats were more scared of COVID, more likely to vote by mail, that you're going to see more of those votes in the several undecided swing states going to uh, going to Biden. So, uh, I don't know, I hope that's enough of, of the sort of general analysis. So now let's get into some other headlines. Here we have it from KTAR.com. Arizona voters approve Prop 207 to legalize recreational marijuana. So here's my preemptive celebration as a... As a Resident of Arizona. Thank you, my fellow crazy Arizonans with your silly little libertarian streak that somehow managed to still 
we have the a Republican Secretary of State successfully block any libertarian from being on the ballot in 2020, and yet we managed to pass recreational cannabis. It is an interesting world in which libertarianism is suppressed and the state has to concede major chunks of the drug war in order to maintain its overall racket and credibility. And, and, and we see this in a number of states, uh, some of these yet to be confirmed, South Dakota, uh, New Jersey. We're going to get to some of those stories today as well. But back to Arizona. Uh, voters passed Prop 207, designed to allow anyone 21 or older to have up to one ounce of cannabis. The 16% tax on its sale will fund community colleges, public safety, public health programs, and roads and highways. Uh, the, yeah, without government stealing from people selling cannabis, who would pay for roads, right? The legalization of marijuana in Arizona had been predicted to generate upwards of $300 million annually. And as, as Jim pointed out, uh, we understand that this is not even going to be official and certified for about a month, but it, it, it looks like a pretty decisive victory right now uh, with Prop 207 as the uh, as KTR, KTAR has it, 85.29% of precincts reporting and Prop 207 legalized marijuana with 59.85% of the vote. And of course, I would remind you that 86.75309% of all statistics are made up uh, bullshit intended to manipulate you. And probably the same percentage of uh, vote reports for 2020 at this point are significantly inaccurate. But uh, I, I think we can call this one when it is being reported with, uh, you know, roughly 60%. But, uh, you know, the timing of this rolling out the high taxes on this, uh, you know, it, it, it is it is not uh, a, a radical shift considering that here in Arizona we already have a thriving medical program, medical cannabis program. But uh, I, I do believe that this is uh, sort of barely but genuinely a recreational legal cannabis in Arizona, and it is it is it is. Uh, incremental change, but this is a significant victory as, as we are now at the end of the beginning of the end of the war on drugs, as, as Churchill might describe it. And uh, we have some significant victories to celebrate, like in New Jersey, where we go to CBS3, Philly, New Jersey residents vote to legalize recreational marijuana. New Jersey residents have voted in favor of a constitutional amendment that legalizes cannabis for personal non-medical use by adults 21 and older. The legalization of recreational marijuana was a ballot question for New Jersey voters. The amendment also allows the state to set up a regulated market for the drug, even with the approval. It's unclear when shops would open. So, you know, like, like what we're going to see, you know, in a, in a lot of states where this is playing out right now is uh, the, the cat being let out of the bag as slowly as possible as different special interests fight for their piece of the pie. You're going to see in, in states like Arizona the uh, Prop 207 being supported by the current cannabis industry. Uh, th there are certainly special interests within that. 
who genuinely want uh, a sort of corporate oligopoly uh, to, to come out of this. You're going to see d- different interests within government competing for their piece of the pie in taxes and regulatory power. And, uh, and even zoning is going to be a big deal with this. And we've seen in following the general course of, of legalization of cannabis so far, especially in states like Seattle and, and, and uh, Colorado, where, uh, you know, like our friend, uh, libertarian activist and, and uh, sometimes candidate Jacob Lamont has uh, had just a, a nightmare of a time as a legal recreational dispensary owner fighting the uh, with the liquor control board. You know, so there are all of these different competing interests still. So uh, when we turn corners, it, it's important to recognize, you know, what we are celebrating and, and what we are not. And in terms of, of legalization, individual use, if this results in a major you know, inc- a decrease in the application of state violence. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to celebrate that, and I'm, I'm going to enjoy watching this phase of the of the war on drugs unfold. Because I think we are turning the corner, as as I say, at the the end of the beginning of the end of the war on drugs. One of the things that that I learned that was, to my surprise. Uh, or just just a couple months ago, when we did a panel on this for Adam versus the Man, despite the appearance of the the drug war de-escalating and, and government wanting to take a lot of credit for that and make a big deal out of of, of that, uh, nationally even uh, total drug arrests for possession went up over the last few years that we have data for, like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, and. Uh, I think the turning point now is happening on two fronts. And one of them is the actual reduction of of cannabis arrests nationally. I think at at this point, we're we're starting to turn the corner or, or, or in the process of turning the corner where what happens when a cop on the street or at a traffic stop or in uh, any other interaction with civilians sees cannabis? And it's, it's a shift from, you know, oh, I'm going to draw the gun and get cuffs on to, oh, I'm going to have to look at this. And, and that de-escalation, you know, is, is, is just, that's, uh, a, I think that represents coming from the beginning or the end of the beginning to, to the middle of the end of the war on drugs, the next phase of the end of the war on drugs. And the other thing uh, is the relationship to psychedelics and, and hard drugs. And, you know, again, the, the basic libertarian point about all drugs is not, is it good or is it bad? It's, do we want to respond with statism, with violence, with coercion, or do we want to respond with compassionate, nonviolent uh, re- solutions to, to whatever problems society faces related to the use of drugs? And uh, it's, it's really tragic that it, 
we kind of lump in, you know, hard uh, psychedelics with all hard drugs because they have a, a more significant psychological effect than soft drugs like uh, like cannabis and alcohol. I mean, I just the whole hard versus soft of drugs is a, a propagandistic framing of terminology that was was forced on the conversation in order to bolster the propaganda of the drug war, uh, not to accurately describe the effects of any particular drug. Because if they did that, uh, the, the whole thing would be out the window, right? So, uh, you know, and, and I've said this about cannabis, that the significant impact of, of cannabis is not going to be realized until – the people who really need it as an attitude adjustment realize it, it, its positive benefits and and get to smoke it like it's no big deal. And we're not there yet. Uh, I, you know, in, in like in Arizona, for example, uh, medical cannabis has made it accessible to the people uh, who already wanted it. But to the people who really fell for the propaganda of the drug war of, of older generations even, reefer madness. It's going to take a while for the uh, for the the, the the positive society-wide psychological effects of cannabis to, to fully soak in, and at that point, we'll, that that will probably get us to the the end of the end of the war on drugs. But I want to point out a very important, very dangerous side effect of cannabis, which is that because we have been lied to about it for so long. You cannot smoke pot today and not realize that government is totally full of shit. And that's the best side effect of cannabis there is. And, the more, and, and until it gets to that full social saturation impact of, of getting a sort of market equilibrium of everybody having uh, be, being able to decide how much and what and when to consume uh, on, on based on their own needs without having to factor in legal liability of, yeah, if you do this, people you know, might come and point guns at you and put handcuffs on you and lock you in a cage because they don't approve of your drug use. And we're, we're still a long ways from that. And I think in that sense, we – have an incredible opportunity to advance humanity and ending the drug war by promoting positive, conscientious drug use. And this is this is just a general principles across the board of not making decisions. Everybody does drugs one way or another. It, 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 it's unavoidable. Uh, I mean, even, unless you're, I don't know, I, I know you can say, well, I don't do anything, even alcohol, okay, nicotine, caffeine, uh, so, so by, by some interpretations, water is a drug. But the point is that we all use things that we, we put in our bodies to control our minds, to, to enjoy life more, to optimize performance, to, uh, to live better for, for whatever reason. And uh, any drug can be abused or used in a detrimental way, obviously. And just being able to look at it from that objective perspective and celebrate positive, conscientious drug use 
you know, we can say this, we could say good things and bad things about all drugs. Uh, we're not going to turn this into, uh, you know, drugs A to Z with Adam today. But uh, what I want to point out that another incredible thing we have to celebrate right now is a, a significant turning point in our relationship to psychedelics, which uh, have had an incredibly positive, profound impact on my life and, and, and my understanding of the world and my self-awareness. And I highly recommend that everyone explore the possibility of, if, you know, if, if, once you've taken care of, again, more pressing health issues or life issues, if you're in a good place, if you're not facing any other, you know, major health threats, if, if you're not about to get evicted, if, if you're not, you know, you know, in some other crisis, but if you're generally healthy and, and, and feeling centered, uh, you know, I would definitely encourage you to explore psychedelics uh, for for a lot of reasons. And I'm not going to just turn this into a general promotional video. You're going to have to do, you know, a lot of research for yourself. I suggest being well-informed uh, and getting your whatever drugs you're, you're doing from a reliable source. And, again, you know, not only did the Silk Road and, and praise be to Ross Ulbricht, may he soon be free, uh, for what he did with the Silk Road, making it possible for people to get safer, more reliable access to drugs for conscientious use, for upping people's access to medicine that the government has made illegal. And in, in many, you know, psychological analysis, we're talking about medicine. Uh, MDMA, ecstasy, is illegal despite being originally explored as a drug used for couples therapy and counseling because it made you more open and empathetic. Uh, and, and now we're seeing it as a cure for PTSD. I, you know, like, it's, it's just incredible what we're going to be able to explore now, what is going to be irrefutable in terms of the positive effects of a lot of these uh, formerly completely illegal substances like psilocybin especially, and that gets us to our next headline here. D.C. voters approve decriminalizing magic mushrooms, other psychedelics. Yeah, coming from D.C., not a surprise, right? D.C. residents have approved a measure that will effectively decriminalize magic mushrooms and other organic psychedelic drugs. The measure initiative 81 does not legalize psychedelic plants and fungi. It simply recategorizes them as the lowest level police enforcement priority. Activists weathered the challenges of the pandemic to push the legislation onto the ballot. And that's another thing worth pointing out this year, that as much as the existing powers that be have, have taken this opportunity to effectively suppress the libertarian message in general, they still could not stop the progress that I see continuing. And, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not shocked by any of these results, because we, we've already seen in the referendums that have passed uh, in, in Denver County, where they decrimmed uh, psilocybin exclusively, minimally, very small, but just, you know, it, it, it's like a hole in the dam that the, the government doesn't have a finger big enough to plug at this point when you have mushrooms at that level of, legality, uh, officially, Denver County did that. 
uh, a couple years ago. And uh, Oakland, the city of Oakland in California, with, with a similar position. And that, so the research now with uh, magic mushrooms, as the mainstream media still has to refer to them, is, uh, is, is something that people are talking about. It's out there, and people want this, especially right now. And I think this is one of the greatest unintended consequences of government pushing the stress and fear and anxiety that everybody's experiencing right now is that people uh, with the power of the Internet, the truth button at our fingertips, are looking at psychedelics and, and especially, I think, magic mushrooms in uh, a whole new way right now. But the, uh, the last big headline to wrap up our positive drug war news from election 2020 comes to us from OregonLive.com. And this, I think this is a beautiful measure of the attitude of compassion that, that has shifted in Americans' attitudes towards drugs, the drug war in, in, in general. And the headline is, Oregon decriminalizes possession of street drugs becoming first in nation. It gets even better than that sounds. Oregon made history Thursday in the movement to reconsider the nation's war on drugs by becoming the first state to decriminalize small amounts of heroin and other street drugs. Voters overwhelmingly supported Measure 110, a coup for the New York-based Drug Policy Alliance, the same criminal justice reform group that backed Oregon's successful marijuana legalization in 2014. Now, again, calling it early, the story says partial returns as of 11 p.m. Tuesday showed the measure winning 59% to 41%. So just like with, uh, you know, Arizona in, in, in all but uh, complete victory, all, all, but, all but for the crying of the drug war profiteers. Uh, so... It, this, is, this did not come without a cost. The Drug Policy Alliance poured more than $4 million into this campaign, far outspend, outspending the 95000 raised by opponents. The organization received support from billionaire philanthropist and investor George Soros, who's on the Alliance Board. So, again, you know, we see disparate interests coming together. There's other major funders in the effort included Facebook founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg, who along with his wife Priscilla Chan gave $500,000, and the ACLU, American Civil Liberties Union of Oregon, which gave $150,000. National ACLU gave another $150,000. Uh, the measure also got a boost from singer John Legend, who recently tweeted his support. So, uh, yeah, this is, you know, really an incredible turning point. And for all of these reasons, I think the, the, the biggest positive news that we have to celebrate from the 2020 election, uh, you know, as a libertarian, as a compassionate human being, as, you know, libertarians being the, the only true progressive, seeing this progress, is that I, I do think this represents the turning point from the end of the beginning of the, at the end of the beginning of the end of the war on drugs 
to the beginning of the middle of the end of the war on drugs. And we are going to see in the next few years a significant de-escalation of the viciousness, the social cost, the pain and suffering of the drug war, and we are going to see a major awakening, both as more Americans are exposed to the enlightening effects of cannabis, psychedelics, and the irrefutable facts that are now undeniably laid out before us. So uh, I, I know it's a bit of a long rant. I suppose uh, you can all sense my uh, my appreciation there here. But uh, I, I want I want let, let's go back to the comments. See, uh, see, I I don't think we have any callers according to the producers club, but we see some fun chats. Uh, CJ, if you want to get um, the graphic that Jim posted up on screen, this is definitely the best one I've, I've seen yet depicting election results. Um, but uh, let's if we don't have any callers, yeah, let's check in with the comments. Uh, Jim, if you want to jump up or just put a few on screen here. Again, the contest today, what's the best like I, what's the best positive news to come out of yesterday and uh, and why? And for those getting the audio production, the graphic there was uh, a map of the United States in black and white with red, blue, and yellow crayons scribbled all over it. Here is what we know so far. Thanks for sharing that, Jim. And uh, if you were in the Producers Club, you'd get to see all of our fun memes credit, here credit as well. Credit to my mom for that one. Credit to Mama Freedom. She shared it in a group chat of my family's. And I loved it, so I shared it to the producers club. And my favorite thing about it is at least they counted some gold in there. <laughs> you know, at least there was some gold crayon. It was yeah, it was good. A lot of gold crayon. So Silence Maj has a uh, a guest. The best news is we aren't letting the LP momentum go away. We are not breaking down our infrastructure. Absolutely. Uh, like I said before, uh, and, and, and I, I, you're, you're in the lead now. Who was that who made the comment? Uh, that was Silent Smosh. I believe that was Brad that you did the stream with. The other oh, day. excellent. So, Brad, uh, congratulations for now. You're in the lead. But, you know, we could, we could change that at any time. There's a better entry. But, no, yeah, I think, I think that's uh, it, what you're pointing out there really, uh, you know, is in line with what I said earlier about uh, I, I remain absolutely confident in the momentum of the party and the movement. And uh, just just to see that, that, that uh, they can suppress the message, they can suppress the votes, but the energy and the commitment and the general positive momentum of the libertarian movement is undeniable and, and that's yes that might be uh that you know and i will that's 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 even better than the news that i just shared about the drug war <laughs> okay casey kane weighs in on facebook says best thing is more more people will see the hypocrisy from the obvious fraud of the state yeah 
More people will see the hypocrisy from the obvious fraud of the state. Actually, she um, changed her answer, or he, the, this person, they say, actually, the best thing is the amount of people not voting should make the whole thing illegitimate. Non-voters are the majority, right? Um, I don't think so this year. Uh, now, actually, it's the voter turnout for presidential elections. And, you know, again, if someone wants to share some of these statistics, whatever, you know, please look them up, share them in comments. Jim will bring them up. And, uh, you know, I'm not trying to give you, you know, we rely on our audience and our producers club, especially to, to make sure that our, our coverage is complete and, and, uh, uh, but the typical voter turnout of registered voters is, is about 60%. And uh, I think, if anything, it was up a little. They said it was a record turnout this year. And I, I've done the math before, but I, I forget exactly, you know, when you – again, that, that's of eligible voters, about 60%. And I, that's crazy in and of itself, right? Uh, and there are a lot of implications that we could dissect and pull out of that if you really wanted to win. You know, if you want to ask questions – and indulge my poly side, nerdy side. We can go that way, but I'll, I'll spare you for now. Uh, <laughs> with, with that being said, if you subtract felons and people who are underage, I, I think that number comes to less than 50% of the general population. And uh, that, yeah, uh, that should get you to say, yeah, this isn't a mandate. This isn't enough for you to even say that you have the majority on your side. Your excuse to force your will on us is even the way you compose this charade illegitimate. But no, I think I still think uh, the, the best answer is um, the momentum of the, of the movement. Yeah. For goodness. Yeah. Empty Matter says, next time I go to Kingman, I will have a joint going through the border. Then again, I didn't need a law for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Let's see. Uh, Steven on Facebook says, this is all nice, but my probation officer doesn't want to hear this. I try yeah. to argue. I try to be healthy and use cannabis to the court, but nobody cares. Uh yeah, you know, again, I, I hope I'm not overestimating my my celebration of what this election cycle means for the drug war and the government racket as a whole. Like I said, there is that I, I it, we are at a, we didn't see like a breakthrough year of like a sudden leap in drug legalization. But we did see a continuation of the incremental change that I think now gets us to a critical tipping point where the momentum is actually going to accelerate. And, and that's what the middle of the end of the war on drugs is going to be, you know, in terms of, a, a, you know, the next major policy shift to, uh, you know, nationwide. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if 2022, so by, by 2022, we saw uh, a federal decriminalization of cannabis, and uh, yeah, and, and just a, a major reduction in the 
individual cost by the victims uh, of the drug war. Yeah, well, Case, Case Copeland on Facebook brings up a good point. Uh, might come to a halt if Sloppy Joe gets into office. Now, I, obviously, I don't think that Sloppy Joe is going to be able to change Arizona's recreational marijuana law or do anything like that, but he is uh, notably anti-drug. He's Mr. Drug War, as far as I understand. He loves all those laws and everything. Is there a chance that – that's what confuses me, too, is because I don't know if you've heard, but supposedly, according to the numbers that they're bullshitting us with, uh, Arizona went Biden. So Arizona voted for Biden and voted to legalize recreational marijuana, which is something Biden would never approve or go for. You know, you see yeah. <laughs> Biden has successfully convinced, I think, most voters that he takes the general Democrat line of being softer on drugs than Republicans. So to say, I hate to, those words sound gross coming out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah. Stay but you know what I mean, right? You know, <laughs> but you know what I'm referring to, right? That um, yeah, people, people, people weren't voting. That is not a contradict. What you, what you pointed out about Arizona going to Biden by six points and passing cannabis. Well, here's an important thing. Uh, and passing cannabis with 60% is that uh, – and, and it, it, we could do the breakdown and look at, like, how many Republicans and Democrats voted for, for cannabis legalization here. But uh, it obviously needed some Republicans to vote for it in order to pass or a significant number of independents. And um, I, I don't think Biden is going to buck the general trend, again, of, of incremental policy progress in terms of the drug war. because. It's got an undeniable social momentum, and I don't mean, and, and I don't think he's going to let it progress. He's going to, he's going, he's going to toe the government-sponsored corporate line on this one, which is just let us make as much money from this racket as we can, uh, and, and you're going to see it transform in different ways. Uh, you know, like when cannabis is decriminalized and police forces need to, you know, the local level justify their budgets, some of them radically increase their, you know, enforcement of, uh, with, with other drugs. But I don't think Biden is going to be, you know, especially effective in this. I'm not like, I'm not afraid of, oh my gosh, he appointed, he's the guy who had his name on the, you know, all the, the, the crime reform bills and, and uh, he's got, Kamala as, as his running mate is the, the top cop. Like, are they going to, uh, you know, radically escalate the war on drugs? Or, nah, I, I, I don't think so. I don't think, because mainly because of the, my take on the overall sentiment of the United States electorate, but also when you, when you see the possibility that the U.S. House uh, or, or, you know, Congress as a whole, House and then Senate, may in the next couple of years pass some measure of, of federal decriminalization of cannabis. I don't think Joe Biden's going to veto it. I don't think that, I don't see that as a possibility. I mean, I get it, it's a possibility, but I, I see that as highly unlikely. Does that make sense? 
I, I, it makes sense as an opinion of yours, sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying this is like some ironclad prediction. But uh, all right, let's get, let's get back to some headlines because I do have some fun things that I do want to say. Like, yeah, called it. Uh, but first, the Sun.com has this fight house cops clash with BLM and Antifa protesters in ugly scenes outside White House as they vow to stay for weeks. Uh, about a thousand protesters, um, you know, not, not hugely significant. And uh, generally, it's worth pointing out that the election was carried out peacefully, uh, that, that, that there were, there were instances of, uh, you know, limited violence, but, but as of yet, like, we're not seeing civil war or, you know, uh, malicious scale deployment or anything like that. But we do see this, and this is worth pointing out from the Daily Mail. Troops roll into the battlegrounds. National Guard arrive in Philadelphia and Chicago as Illinois governor asks residents to be patient with election results that could take days. So uh, Illinois Governor Pritzker has mobilized the National Guard in Chicago to be on standby for any unrest. Uh, he urged residents to be patient with the election result, which may not come until Thursday. In Philly, armed troops manned a target on Monday night and are also setting, settling in for the next few days. The city has seen uproar for more than a week since the police shooting of Walter Walls Jr. Texas has also planned to mobilize the National Guard in cities if there is unrest and businesses are boarding up their windows in anticipation of violence. But the general story that we're seeing is, no, it was not, uh, we, we didn't see, you know, any anomalies in, in huge surges of violence or, or protest. Um, and it, it's worth pointing this out. Uh, it's only to discredit everybody who tried to promote that kind of fear-mongering perspective. Uh, fun little uh, note that we had in a story from our Producers Club uh, with the comment, only in 2020 from Daily News, nydailynews.com, hand sanitizer jams Iowa ballot scanner. You know, really? Really? Uh, polling place in Des Moines, Iowa was disrupted Tuesday after hand sanitizer jammed one of the pallet scanners. Kevin Hall, spokesperson for the Iowa Secretary of State, said voters who applied hand sanitizer caused excess moisture to get into the machine and put it out of commission for about an hour. When are we going to give up this silly shit? Uh, the, the, again, it's just got to be... Another, I mean, will will we ever learn to make a grotesque reference? Uh, I, I shared this with someone I've been, I've been texting with for fans of South Park. If you remember the Human Centipede episode, why won't it read? You know, it's like the system is just shitting in our mouths constantly with lies and bullshit propaganda, and we don't stop. Like, what? When will it learn to read? When will the American people learn to read between the lines of the bullshit that is being fed to us by the duopoly and the mainstream media? Uh, so anyway, some good news to celebrate here from um, aljazeera.com or another just 
fun result to look at from uh, referenda. Uber, Lyft win California's most expensive ballot measure ever. Californians overwhelmingly voted in favor of Prop 22, exempting app-based ride-hailing and delivery service from classifying drivers as employees eligible for benefits and job protections. And I know you could do, you know, an in-depth analysis of this from a libertarian perspective and, and see, you know, what's bad and what's good. Does this overall represent more or less economic freedom? I think it does. But in terms of the bigger positive note to take out of this, I, I think there's, uh, you know, I kind of reverence back to, to – to Gary Johnson's messaging of Uber everything. Not that I would ever use that, but when I used to fly on a regular basis and, and use ride sharing out of airports, you know, you could see exactly how governments are screwing up the potential of just ride sharing apps of Uber and Lyft, for example. And I think it, it, there is a positive growing awareness globally that the potential with apps like this is not being realized because of government intervention, government regulation, if only because maybe not, you know, these aggravating airport experiences where cabs come right up to the curb, but if you want to get a ride-sharing app, you got to walk halfway to Timbuktu and you know, up an escalator and down an elevator to this remote corner of the parking garage, and that's where you can catch an Uber or a Lyft. Uh, but there are certain uh, localities that have just banned them or stayed, places around the world, different countries even, you can see the contrast. And you go, well, what quality? Not people travel and word gets around. Like in Oregon and New Jersey, they still don't let you pump your own gas. How they kept that racket going, I don't know. But uh, that sort of growing awareness of, hey, this is why we can't have nice things because of government? Is this regulatory intervention really? Uh, I think there's a, the, there's a major positive uh, awareness happening around uh, these apps. Now, one of the things I predicted about the 2020 election is that Kanye might come out as Trump's ace in the hole. And if, if Biden loses, Kanye West is going to be the most hated man in America. But it's not because of him alone. There were definitely a lot of manipulators around him in this race, just making sure they got on the ballot in enough key battleground states. But as I said, there would have to be some other mechanism of manipulation. And of course, one thing very suspicious in all of this is that Joe Rogan, number one podcast in America still, I believe, is uh, said he was going to suspend production for COVID, but then went ahead with the interview of Kanye West. And if you combine that with some direct outreach, like lying emails that tell Democrat voters in swing states, don't worry, Biden's got this in the bag. Cast a protest vote for Kanye, that could be enough to swing it. So if they were going to get away with that, it would have to be very much last minute. And as I predicted, you wouldn't see it until the day after. And I know this story is developing, and that, that whole theory about Kanye has, has yet to be 
proven to be of any certain significance. Time will tell. We'll see again as this election continues to be picked apart over the next, well, probably for the rest of our lives. No, no, we're not that gullible. Uh, but for, for at least the next few weeks, there's going to be significant, greater insight into to what manipulation happened. And because of the state of play of things, with it, it still technically being on call, and Trump, you know, by most mainstream accounts, having at least a, a narrow fighting chance, uh, it's, it's going to be very interesting. But we see this other headline now from Al Jazeera about this. FBI probes robocalls urging voters to stay home on Election Day. Senior U.S. officials at the Department of Homeland Security says FBI is investigating calls seeking to discourage people from voting. People across the United States received anonymous robocalls in the days and weeks before Election Day urging them to stay safe and stay home and what experts said could be an attempt to scare voters into sitting out the hotly contested polls. The Federal Bureau of Investigation is investigating calls that seek to discourage people from voting. A senior official of the Department of Homeland Security told reporters on Tuesday, authorities would not offer details. U.S. state and local officials have been raising alarm over at least two separate automated call campaigns as millions of people cast their votes on Tuesday. To decide between President Donald Trump and challenger Joe Biden, of course, another great example of the mainstream media you know, this is Al Jazeera, right, leaving out Joe Jorgensen, but uh, the, the libertarian challenger. But I, first got to point out, when we talk about the Republicans and Democrats, the duopoly, the current power structure within politics, we're talking about people who are willing to support policies that they know are going to kill innocent people to enrich themselves, to promote their brands, to promote their own power. You think they're not going to cheat in an election? Even among those who are well-intentioned, who think that they know better than you and that their policies should be forced on you through government. You think they're not going to manipulate the votes? So I think this is, a, you know, while, while I have my theory about Kanye in particular that has, has yet to play out, and it might yeah, I might, if someone might do an analysis, I mean, if uh, this and prove that, you know, it, it was insignificant, who knows. But I can guarantee you uh, that you're going to see more stories like this. I think this is a very, very safe prediction that over the next few weeks, and, and, and I think as a libertarian, I see this as, as a, a very positive force for waking people up. That is, as Americans are going to watch a propaganda war play out over the next few weeks, in various attacks of desperation, Republicans and Democrats are going to call each other out for various manipulations, real and imagined. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got to remember this. There's going to be some lies to sort through, and people lying about the liars, the liars lying about the other liars, and the, the you know. And again, they're all on the same team of statism. This is all engineered to keep us trapped in in, in the current system, in, in in the duopoly, to keep us sucked in. 
And I think what's, what's happening now is positive in terms of awakening because there's a backfiring effect. They have a very short-sighted set of incentives, the political operatives of the red-flavored statism team and the blue-flavored statism team. But the long-term effect of this is going to be to discredit the system altogether because now they're in a very fierce competition around the presidency in attempting to discredit the opposing faction. And while the immediate effect is to pull attention away from the libertarians, the overall impact in terms of the, the, the destabilization uh, of this factionalism within the duopoly it, it, is, is just, it's a really beautiful thing that is going to promote people becoming aware of what a racket this current system is as a whole. So, next we have, uh, all right, did, did we get through? We didn't, okay, wait, we had, I, had, I think I have some, I think we got through all of the election coverage. No, we have, we have a few, I mean, this, I guess this qualifies, we're, we're skipping ahead, just to make sure we get as much of this out of the way today as we can. Uh, New York Post, has this story, Proud Boys leader, one of four, stabbed after he was jumped by BLM and D.C. Uh, sorry, BLM in D.C. Uh, the leader of the far right, and they, they, I don't think they're far right. They're, they're, they're distinctly right libertarian-leaning more than far right. Uh, but then that, that opens up a whole other conversation about definitions that uh, we're not going to rehash right now. The leader of the far-right Proud Boys has said he was one of four people stabbed after being jumped by Black Lives Matter early Wednesday in Washington, D.C. Enrique Tarrio, uh, who we've been trying to get on this program, told the Gateway, maybe I'll have some time, more time now post-election, uh, but not if he's in the hospital. Enrique Tarrio told the Gateway pundit that he was slashed in the stomach while multiple other members were injured, including a man stabbed in the neck and a woman with them stabbed in the back. The group said they were headed home, uh, heading home after watching the election at a bar when they were jumped in night. I, I don't think this story uh, is indicative of anything more than, you know, a, a crazy lone knife man uh, and, and, you know, indicative of the sad state of polarization and, and political street violence in America, but uh, it is worth noting that, uh, you know, people like Enrique Tarrio taking bold stands uh, and, and being out in public, you know, face this new risk now. And it's, it, it, it is, for all the positive things that, that we have to celebrate today, uh, it, it is worth pointing out that the general political conversation in America, uh, and I, I hope this, you know, I'm actually, I'm very confident in predicting that this is, largely going to dissipate now. Uh, well, maybe not now, but certainly after the election is decided one way or another, uh, you know, hoping that and, and expecting that it will be resolved peacefully here. Um, you know, who knows how it's going to play out, but um, worth noting that this happened to uh, Enrique Tario as uh, they were walking home from watching the election. Uh, 
uh, last night. Um, let's see. What other critical uh, election coverage do we have here? Oh, yeah, this is, uh, this is a really fun one from uh, Daily Mail. Excuse me, CJ, skipping ahead a couple again here. Google searches for liquor stores near me at all-time high as Americans watch election results come in. Google Trends posted their findings on Twitter uh, uh, during election night. They said searches for alcohol and fries near me hit their highest recorded toll. Google Trends reported most searches for a midnight triple originated in Delaware, followed by Maryland, Tennessee, and Georgia. Oh, midnight tipple, excuse me. I was like, what's a midnight triple? Just misread that. But, uh, yeah, let's see. Oh, again, you know, I, I did say today we were going to have some positive news in terms of encouraging people to run for office as libertarians. And I know this is not the huge libertarian electoral victory you might have hoped to come out of last night. But this headline from The Hour uh, from, the, uh, via, from the Washington Post via TheHour.com, North Carolina Republican. Madison Cawthorn, 25, will be the youngest member of Congress. And uh, just want to remind any potential libertarian candidates who would want to join me in the class of 22 libertarian congressional candidate slate of libertarians, uh, you only have to be 25 as of January 20th or 21st, depending on where the Monday falls, of 2023 in order to be eligible to run for Congress. Because you get the election is November 2022. You get sworn in, uh, you know, or maybe it's a slightly different day for Congress. Again, you got to do the research on your race. You got to know your race. But even running a, a minimalist or a paper campaign as a libertarian is a positive, worthwhile, important endeavor and opportunity not to be missed. So uh, if you can, you have to be 25 by basically that date in January that Congress gets sworn in 2023. If you're qualified, please consider it. If not, think of a, a race that would be fun for you to volunteer for or to manage and organize uh, or whatever it is that it, 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 it's time now to be thinking ahead as a libertarian to the 2022 election cycle and looking if locally perhaps you have something on, on an annual or odd year basis as well. But look ahead now. Don't, don't be caught uh, unawares missing some deadline do the planning, do the research now for what you're going to do to be involved and, and take advantage of government's free platform to amplify our message through the political process in 2022. So another fun story we have from theweek.com, a North Dakota candidate who died of COVID-19 seemingly just won his election. Ah, and it's not just, ah, oh, this is a fun little quirk. Yeah, I mean, it, maybe that's all it is, but I, I hope that people just see how ridiculous our system is. David Ondal, a North Dakota Trump Republican running for a state legislature, appeared to win his election on Tuesday night. There was only one problem. Ondal died due to complications from COVID-19. 
back in October, uh, Fox 9 reports, though he was still listed on the ballot, the Republican Party will appoint his replacement now that he's evidently won. Uh, according to North Dakota Attorney General uh, Wayne Stenahem, if a deceased candidate receives the majority of the votes, the candidate is elected. However, if the prevailing candidate has died, the candidate is no longer qualified, and a vacancy will exist. State law provides the process to fill vacancies of a legislative office. I hate to be giggling talking about this guy who died, you know, uh, recognizing the uh, laws of life, uh, but the language used here is just irrefutably hilarious. However, if the prevailing candidate has died, the candidate is no longer qualified. I know this is hard to believe, but according to government, if you're dead, you're not qualified to hold public office. You are qualified to vote, however, in a lot of jurisdictions. Uh, next headline from uh, our election roundup, thehill.com. Too close to call. Polling at all levels takes a beating. And, yeah, one of the irrefutable narratives uh, of, of the election already is that the pollsters had it wrong in calling it too confidently for Biden. Um, and, and anyways, first pair of the story, not only has President Trump trailed Joe Biden in the national polls for two years, he has lagged in most swing states and has been behind in practically every issue, whether job approval, personal favorability, character of the issues, Trump has terrible numbers, only in his handling of the economy, strong leadership, and whether he will win as Trump done well by any metric, Trump should not have stood a chance, yet it is clear that the polls systemically underestimated Trump's strength. The final electoral college tally, according to the final 538 averages, would have been 348 to 190. There's no chance Biden gets to that number. Polls in Florida, North Carolina, and Ohio were off by up to 10 percentage points. Among the greatest hits or misses were Quinnipiac, which was off by 12 points in Ohio and 8.5 points in Florida. Morning consult was off by 10 points in Ohio and 10.5 in Florida. And, and you know, this is crazy for – and I, I'm going to wait. We're going to come back to this and, and, and pick this apart when we, when we see the final results. We have some at least – you know, more accurate fantasy government numbers here. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Amero fantasy land, like should land. Um, sorry, that's a kind of esoteric American dad reference. But uh, I, I, the, for all the at attempts to make sure there wasn't a repeat of 2016, we see in this biggest of ways a, a pretty significant repeat of 2016 today. And, uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot more to this. So um, we're going to wrap up, just skim through a couple more election headlines, and then uh, CJ, we'll, we'll just do some comments on screen and, and sign off. But, uh, again, got, we gotta, we're going to limit ourselves. We're going to stay on time today and uh, not get sucked in to the emotional nature of, of this whole scam as much as, I don't know, let's say James Carville. Uh, this headline from Real Clear Politics, Carville, Michigan, a red mirage 
put the razor blades and Ambien back in the medicine cabinet. And, and you know, like what, what this just, this is a clever way of him to say don't commit suicide, right? Uh, Democratic operative James Carville, who predicted a blowout by 10 p.m., yeah, yeah, uh, wrong again, attempted to reassure Democratic voters by telling them to put the razor blades in the ambient away in an appearance on MSNBC at midnight. The first quote, the first thing is every Democrat just put the razor blades in the ambient back in the medicine cabinet. We're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Carville reassured Democrats. And it's funny. It's clever. Yeah, you can joke about suicide. I'm not trying to say that, you know, anything is beyond the realm of attempting to make a joke about. And in that sense, it's it's not bad. Yeah. All right, Carvel, you're clever. But you're also pretty revealing in this. And I think that's even more hilarious that, that the reason you would tell a joke about suicide is because even if you don't take it, even if you don't take suicide as a serious issue and you have like a genuine positive motivation for telling people not to commit suicide, which we do regularly on this show, mental health awareness, suicide prevention is a significant part of our message and, and, and what we try to get out there with Adverse Demand, you know, mental health, positivity, all of these things. But if you really think, James, that... There are, if you think that there are Democrats who might commit suicide because they see that, you know, that there were people that Trump declared victory, that some people are calling this for Trump. Um, what a sad state of affairs that you, Mr. Carville, have played into this emotional slavery, this Stockholm Syndrome that we find ourselves in in America where there, that's, a, that's a real thing that we have that much unhealthy emotional attachment to politics. And, and, and you haven't done anything to fight this, and you feed into it. And even if that's not the case, if, you, if this is all just a joke to you, if, 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 if you don't think there's any significant suicide threat there, Mr. Cargill, then uh, you're, you're joking about suicide is, is really sick and inappropriate. But either way, it makes it undeniable that you believe that Democrats, uh, Biden voters, supporters, and, and I say this is just as much true, if, if not more so, just on, on, on different psychological planes, dynamics, emotional perspectives with Republicans, but that there is a horrifically unhealthy emotional attachment to politics in America. And if you're going to joke about it and joke about suicide, yeah, you're you're part of the problem. You're not part of the solution. So I, you know, I hope that uh, that's part of the, the awakening that we experience of 2020. We go, mm, never going to let them suck me in like that again. I hope we can say that uh, as America. Um, I know that Everybody watching this program, everybody listening to me right now is already on that page. And I hope that those of you who see your friends and neighbors perhaps suffering from an unhealthy emotional 
attachment to politics can use this message to connect with others and, and, and again, in, the, in, in part of the value, the immediate value that you get by embracing the love of libertarianism is a, a relief from that unhealthy emotional attachment. I, I hope you recognize the importance and the value in sharing that and, and, and especially now the opportunity now that we are no longer inundated with messages about vote, 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 vote. Uh, we are going to be inundated, unfortunately, with messages about my guy won, my guy won, my guy was better, my guy was better, all that kind of nonsense for quite a while. But spreading this uh, self-awareness and emotional awareness instead of making awkward jokes about suicide on on TV like James Carville. Yeah, there's a good opportunity here. All right, on that positive note, um, let's wrap things up. CJ, uh, Jim, if you want to just, just put some comments on screen. If there, do we, we'll just see, do we have any others? We, we are at time. So just before we sign off, our, our let's make sure that we wrap up our contest responsibly and do our promos. So we'll remind you for last second entries, the contest today is what is the most positive news that you see coming out of the election and why? And basically our current leader is, uh, and I apologize, I forget the name of the commenter there, uh, but Jim has it. The comment was that the, the, the confirmation of the positive momentum of the libertarian movement. And, and yes, uh, I'm, I'm, I, 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 that's, that's got the lead right now. So promos, getting the promos out of the way again. If you, oh wait, that, look, promo, let's do promos and we'll give people a chance and we'll do, do all the last comments. So cigarfederation.com, please go to cigarfederation.com, promo code ADAM10, all caps, gets you 10% off. That's ADAM10, all capital letters, 10% off. Check out the JSK Nugs, CBD-infused cigars, really cool deal on those there. And join us for Cigars and Sunsets now every Friday here in Gardenia. Uh, check out MakeThemDebate.com. We forgot that one earlier. Fun way to engage. Make some debates happen. I re- we had a great time with the first one. I want to see another one happen. Reach out, uh, Adam, at TheFreedomLine.com if you want to help with that. Or if you want to come visit us here in Gardenia. Or you want to get uh, you want to talk to me about anything. You want your email read on the air. Let me know, uh, Adam at thefreedomline.com. And, of course, adamversustheman.com is where you can get our merchandise, see our incredible selection that producer CJ has put together, as well as figure out, if you don't win the contest today, how to buy your way into the Producers Club for just $10 a month. So check that, all that out and everything else uh, that CJ has got in our wonderful new website there at adamversustheman.com. All right, last part of the show today. I know you guys see I, you see how I, I'm not just <clears throat> enthralled, you know, getting into all of this, watching the snake eat its own tail, uh, you know, and, 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 oh, and, and, and my sort of morbid curiosity, indulgence combined with my weird background in politics. I could go for another several hours just about this. But uh, I, I think we've done an adequate job. So let's get to our contest entries and, and, and wrap this up. Stephen Ziskiewicz weighs in. It's also your fault if Biden gets in. Yeah, oh yeah, of course, the libertarians' fault. No matter what happens, we can blame the libertarians. Casey Kane, the mentally handicapped will still cargo that boot. Okay, what is this? This is CJ's fan club weighing in today. 
actually, the best thing is the amount of people not voting should make the whole thing illegitimate. Non-voters are the majority, right? Uh, yes, technically, I think we've covered that today, but still, uh, not better news. I don't see I don't see anybody taking the lead. CJ and any other, let's see, Stephen. Uh, but Adam, the problem is definitely now <clears throat> the state taking control of the market, just like California, where 80% of the market is a Joe uh, underground. All right. Still don't see a contest winner over our, our leader right now, with the good news being the momentum of the libertarian movement. But let's see, low-key 209, the best thing to come out of 2020 is curbside marijuana, thanks, COVID. Uh, yeah, well, out, of, out of that, yeah. Uh, not, not an election result, but yeah, definitely a, 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 another silver lining of the coronaphobia cloud. Low-key 209, open your mind. All right. CJ, if there's nothing else. All right, with the, and watch out for Stephen, and watch out for this state-controlled monopoly and taxes on cannabis going to AA meetings to avoid jail for MDMA fines, drug courts, treatment centers. Yes, yes, I know, I know you want to be uh, pessimistic, but I still think it, even though the progress is merely incremental at this point, not uh, revolutionary or exponential, it is still major incremental progress to be celebrated and to take great confidence and faith in. And so that's why the winner of today's contest is the uh, our, our friend, was it Sean or Brad, who was with us earlier, who said that the, the, the positive momentum of the freedom movement uh, is, is confirmed. So with that, mwah, peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other. 